Welcome to Salem Alliance Church. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org. This week's message is by Steve Fowler. Uh, We're back in our series on Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 6 is where we're at. So if you've got your Bibles, go to Nehemiah 6. If you do not have a Bible, no shame there. There's a Bible that looks just like the one I'm about to use. That's in the pew rack in front of you. Go to page 776 and you will find uh, the the exact passage I'm going to be reading here in a few moments. Now, here's the deal. Uh, For some, navigating the Bible is really easy. For others, it's like, you know, wow, it's a big book. Where do I go? Uh, There's your page number. And you'll you'll see on that page number two columns. And on that that one column, you got a big number six. The big numbers are your chapters. And as you start reading, you'll see little numbers. Those are verses. Kind of see that as the GPS coordinates for finding your way through the Bible. Um, Chapters and verses and book titles. And um, I'm going to be reading from there in, in a moment. Um, CenturyLink Field, home of the Seahawks, and uh, it's one of, the, one of the places that NFL teams do not want to play, unless they have to, especially not in the playoffs, they don't want to play there, because they're not just playing the Seahawks, they are playing against the 12s, and if you're a Hawk fan, you know what I'm talking about, I'm talking about the 12th man. The, 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 the 12s do not go to a football game as passive observers, Okay, they go knowing that they have a part to play. If you've never been to a game or if you watched a game on TV, you know that there are people every time the opposing team has the ball, the 12s have their hands cupped over their mouth and they are just making noise and directing and funneling the noise at the team, hoping to cause disruption. Hoping to cause that for there to be a lack of timing, that maybe a, a, a false start penalty might be called on them. In, inhibiting the, the opposite team, the opposing team, from being able to call an audible. And uh, the 12s are very effective at this. In fact, early on when CenturyLink Field was opened, the New York Giants were playing against the Seahawks, and, in, and they lost to the Hawks by three points. But during that game, they committed 11 false start penalties. And so Hawk fans took that as their win, that they, they actually pushed them back over 100 yards. And uh, they had a significant part in, 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 in making the Hawks a winner that day by raising their voices. And we're used to raising our voices at sport events. We're, we're used to hearing that. In fact, in our culture today, we're pretty used to raising our voices about things that we like and especially about things we dislike. And social media has made that even more accessible. have empowered us to share our opinion. Uh, an app like Yelp, if you have a great experience at a restaurant, you can go on and give it five stars or four stars, leave your comments. And if you're traveling uh, around the country, around the world, you can go on Yelp and find a good restaurant to, to eat at. Uh, if you've had a bad experience, Uh, at a restaurant, or you've had a negative uh, experience with a small business, you can go on Yelp and you can let them have it. You can turn up the volume levels and tell people to watch out. Kind of like Emily Finelli did in Staten Island, New York. She hires a contractor to come refinish her floors. The guy comes, does the job, she is very unsatisfied, so she goes on Yelp and she just, she just turns up the volume and she just, just throws this guy under the bus. She, uh, she gives him less than one star, 
She leaves a very, she, a very berating review. He did a horrible job. The floors are horrible. The guy's a, a con artist. He's a scam artist. He's, he's worthless. Don't, if you ever think about using this business, call me first. She inserts her email address and inserts her cell phone. And she just goes after this guy, just degrades his character. In fact, the, the, it was such a, a scathing review that the contractor heard about it and he got on and read the review, and he got a lawyer and sued Emily. Um, the judge read the, you know, heard the case and, and ruled in favor of the contractor and fined her $1,000. She was so outraged that she looked for, for the judge's name on Yelp. No, I'm just kidding. She didn't do that. <laughs> she... She just, she was, she was enraged because she said, I'm just using my freedom of speech and I should be able to say whatever I want to say. And then she still had to pay the $1,000 fine. And, and now there's an app out there. It's called Yelp for People. And you can actually rank and rate people professionally, personally, and romantically. I'm sure that's going to go fantastic. Um, but um, here's the deal. If it's a stadium, if it's an opposing team, ah, yeah, we're used to raising our voices. If it's, if it's, you know, we hear about somebody that this, all this happens and it's negative and volume levels get turned up, people are irate or angry, ah, we're, you know, we're kind of used to that. And, but it's a completely different ball game when we are the focus of the raised volume levels. When the voices of opposition rise and we are the target or we are the, the, the direction that that is headed, then it's a completely different story. A lot of years ago, when Trina and I were in Kelso, Washington, I was a pastor there, uh, the church that we were leading was growing and there was a piece of property that was adjacent to the church that was for sale. Uh, the church bought it and there was a bunch of trees on that property and we, what we needed was more parking. So before we went and took down trees, we went around to the different neighbors and, and told them of our plans and explained to them that we, you know, we wanted to build this parking lot and there were several of uh, our leadership team who did this and you know, it wasn't like people were excited about trees coming down and a parking lot being built, but you know, they appreciated who the church was and our, and our long standing in that community and the, and the things that we were doing in the neighborhood. And so they, they gave us a thumbs up and we, we progressed and we got all the permits and all the things necessary to, to take down these trees. I was uh, at a pastor's conference in Portland when the project started happening. Um, trees started coming down, and I got a phone call, and someone said, Steve, you need to go turn a TV on because your church is on the news. So I go and turn a TV on, and I'm watching, and there is on Channel 2 News, KAT News, that there's a reporter outside our church doing a story on this horrible church that is cutting down trees and making a parking lot and the neighbors are furious and they got this one guy and he's just he's just hammering the church and I'm watching this like unbelievable and and then my picture is on the screen <laughs> and I mean let me tell you when 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 your picture's on a tv screen and it's not positive and you're, the, the thing you're leading is, is getting all this attention and it's not good attention, something happens about right here. And, um, and I, just, I was sick to my stomach and like, I, I can't believe this is happening and it just felt personal. And it, it's in those moments, you've been there, maybe not on TV, but you've been there when the opposition puts back. God, remember a couple weeks ago, God has something on his heart and he's put it on your heart. And if you're able to articulate it, and if you've been able to lean into what he's put on your heart, and then you hit hardship and opposition, 
There's something in you that just wants to back away from it and go, okay, whoa, is this worth it? And oftentimes we get so discouraged and, and it, we get beat up sometimes and we just want to throw in the towel and as, as I just want to get into this talk today, here's the question I'm posing. What do you do when you have embraced what God has on his heart and you've put it on your heart, now it's on your heart, and now you're using the gifts that he's given you and you're walking in it, but opposition comes. And sometimes the opposition comes in the form of turned up volume, cranked up volume, and, and there's some negative things saying, or, or maybe there's no vocal opposition. It's just way tougher than you thought it was going to be. And you're exhausted, and you're tired, and you're thinking about calling quits. What do you do? And as we get to Nehemiah chapter six, that question is answered very well by how Nehemiah handles a very similar situation. God had something on his heart. He put it on Nehemiah's heart. And Nehemiah's been engaged in this work and he's dealt with external opposition, as Rod talked to us about, and he's dealt with internal infighting and opposition. And Brian talked to us about that last week. Um, and then there's this one last little shot across his bow as the project is wrapping up. I just want to pick up the story and answer the question, what do we do when, when we feel like we're just worn out, we're tired, and we want to quit? Um, Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 1, Sambalat, Tobiah, Geshem, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies found out that I had finished rebuilding the wall and that no gaps remain, though we had not yet set up the doors in the gates. So Sambalad and Geshem sent a message asking me to meet them at one of the villages in the plain of Ono, but I realized they were plotting to harm me. So I replied by sending this message to them. I am engaged in a great work, so I can't come. Why should I stop working to come and meet with you? Four times they sent the same message, and each time I gave the same reply. Nehemiah has been engaged in this project. God has had something on his heart. He's put it on Nehemiah's heart. He's fully in. He's working away. He's been dealing with the opposition, and things are almost wrapped up. And as things are winding down, all we got left is some gates to be installed in the walls. The opposition uh, proposes that a meeting should take place. Oh, it's, it's time for, time for a gathering. Let's talk this through. And, and maybe these three guys are thinking, you know, we got we to live with this guy. It looks like the project's going to be done. So Nehemiah, why don't you come meet with us? Let's just figure out how we're going to kind of you know, live with each other and, and make a plan to kind of go forward in the future together. And so let's just take a break. Let's go to a village and hang out and work some things out. And Nehemiah's response, he, he, somehow he's heard that that's actually, that the plan is to harm him. Because, you know, they tried to discourage and they tried all this stuff, but now they're just going to try and take him out. And Nehemiah won't go for it. And what he says is, is, is pretty amazing. I'm engaged in a great work. Why, why should I come down? Why should I stop working to come meet with you? Here's what's going on. This is a diversion and this is a distraction. This is a moment, you're almost done. You're the, the, what you've, this great work that, that you've engaged in, it, it's, it, it's, it's, you're almost complete, it's almost done, and uh, there's this diversion and this distraction. And I think if Nehemiah were just telling his story to us, I think one thing he'd say to us if we were thinking about giving up because we're weary and tired and facing opposition, it would be simply this, stay the course. Stay the course. Don't give in to diversion and distraction. 
Don't give in to the, the things that will take you away from the great work. Friends, a lot of times the enemy of the great work is dressed up and clothed as good work. You, you remember when Jesus was launching his earthly ministry and he's in Capernaum and he, he heals Peter's mother-in-law and the word gets out, someone makes a Facebook post and that whole town is just gathering around. Now, every sick person, every person who's demonized and every person who just needs some sort of healing is at the house and it's late into the night and Jesus is just touching people and they're being healed. And it's late at night, and he has to send people home because people got to sleep, and so people go home, and, and people, the disciples are sleeping, Jesus is sleeping, and Jesus gets up in the, in the early morning and goes out to have a conversation with his father. The disciples wake up, and there is a crowd, and they go looking for Jesus. They can't find Jesus. He's not in his bed, and they check the house, check the backyard. He's not there. They find him out in the countryside talking to his father, and they say to him, Jesus, come back because there are people at the house, the same house you were at last night, that they, they're sick, they're legitimately sick in need of healing. They're, they're paralyzed, they're, they're captive to evil spirits, and they need deliverance. Jesus, come back to Capernaum. And what does Jesus say? It's an echo of Nehemiah 6. No, no, I, no I'm not going back there. Because I, did, I didn't come up to set up a large ministry in Capernaum. I came to preach the kingdom of heaven in all the surrounding villages. In fact, I've come to, to preach to all of Israel. In fact, Jesus is, is this journey to the cross, which in a few weeks we're gonna lean into on Good Friday and Easter. His journey to the cross is so that not one village might be saved, not many villages might be saved, not one nation, but the nations might hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so, because that's my great work, I'm saying no to this. But it's kind of rude, isn't it? I mean, people are sick. Isn't Nehemiah just a little bit, come on, Nehemiah, what's, what's, what's the problem with one little meeting? Why, why not return the letter? Why not reply to the email? I'm involved in a great work. I'm not gonna let you divert me. I'm not gonna let you distract me from the things that God has called me to. Friends, oftentimes the call that God has for us is to stay the course. And uh, the temperature gets turned up here because we read in verse five, it says, the fifth time Samballot's servant came with an open letter in his hand and this is what it said. There is a rumor among the surrounding nations and Geshem tells me it is true that you and the Jews are planning to rebel and that is why you are building the wall. According to his reports, you plan to be their king. He also reports that you have appointed prophets in Jerusalem to proclaim about you, look, there's a king in Judah. You can be very sure that this report will get back to the king, so I suggest that you come and talk it over with me. I replied, Nehemiah replied, there is no truth in any part of your story. You're making, the whole, you're making up the whole thing. They were just trying to intimidate us, imagining that they could discourage us and stop the work. So I continued the work with even greater determination. What do you do when God has put something on your heart and you're leaning into it and it's way tougher than you thought and you're thinking about giving up? What do you do when God has something on his heart, something that matters deeply to him and it's been placed on your heart and it matters deeply to you but there's some voices, the volume has been cranked up and uh, people are wanting you to fail. 
We stay the course, and the second thing we learn from this story is we stay determined. The, the, the volume level is churned up to discourage and to get you to give up because it's too hard. Now, I'm just giving you some, one practical way that you can raise determination levels in, in, in your own life, but let, let, let's just do some little self-awareness check here. A little scale on the screen here. When you hit opposition, which side of the scale do you naturally default to? Are, are, are you more like Eeyore? Like, I knew it. This was a bad idea. I don't know why I got into this in the first place. What was I thinking? Or are you more like Popeye and you got this stubborn streak in you and your back stiffens when opposition comes up and you look for the closest can of spinach and you give it a squeeze and down your throat it goes and you're off into the headwinds. I mean, where do you land on this? And there's a reason why we need to, we need to know where you land. Because here's the deal. If you're more Eeyore-like, and, and you're, and you're, and you're yeah, oh man, I can't believe we're doing it, and you look at somebody like a Popeye over there, and you go, here, we can judge one another. We can say, that guy is foolish, foolhardy, hasn't, hasn't taken all the data points, hasn't understood what really is going, doesn't under, he's, he's too idealistic, he doesn't have, she doesn't have any idea how difficult or how much opposition is out there. So, the Eeyores in the room can look at the Popeyes and go, fools, haven't really thought this through. And the Popeyes can look over their shoulders back at the Eeyores and go, well, they're just a bunch of wimps. It's just the flakes. You've got no backbone. And rather than pointing the finger at each other, like Brian talked about last week, what we need to, we need to do is how do we encourage one another? How do we raise determination levels when we hit the opposition, when the volume levels are cranked up, when people are hoping that we fail? Now, there's probably a lot of ways to do this, but one of the things I've learned in my own life, I actually learned it from my dad. Um, when we, when Trina and I were first stepping into pastoral ministry, my dad said, write down everything that you sense God was telling you about going into this, this new, um, you know, this new leading in life. And so um, I took his advice. I, I wrote down all the scriptures that, that, that stuck out to Trina and I. We just, I just wrote them down. And I wrote down the things that people said to us about what they saw in us. And I wrote down the things that we heard from God as we listened. To, and even some circumstantial stuff that was happening that affirmed that this is what God was doing in us. And my dad asked me to do that um, because he, he knew and that, that in, in the months or years to come that I'd hit a wall that I get to a point where this would become difficult and one of the questions that you ask yourself when you hit a wall, you hit opposition or the volume levels are turned up is did I make the wrong call? Did, did, I, write the, my, did I make the right decision here? I must, did I hear wrong? And, and I've done that on several occasions where I go back and I reread what I've written. And by the way, I, I'm not a journaler I don't get up in the morning and go, oh boy, I gotta find my pen because I gotta write my thoughts down on a piece of paper. That's not me. I, I, don't, I don't do that a lot, but on these major things where I feel like God has something on his heart, he's putting it on my heart, I wanna write it all down because I know somewhere down the road I'm probably gonna hit some seasons of discouragement and I just need to remind myself of why I got into this in the first place. And here's what happens when I reread what God has said. The hardship doesn't go away but it feels like there's a little bit of wind in my sail. 
Oh yeah, I totally forgot that scripture. Oh, oh yeah, remember that conversation we had with that couple and, and it, just, it just reminds and renews you in the great work that God has given to you. Friends, when the volume levels get turned up and opposition is there or you're just tired and you're weary because it's hard, we stay the course and we stay determined. And by the way, there are seasons where God gives us a great work and then he lifts it from us. There are seasons when, when work and, and, and or ministry or volunteering or serving in a, in a capacity, it, it does come to a natural close and God puts something else on our heart that he's gifted us to accomplish. So don't hear me saying that you should never stop doing what you're doing because there, there are chapters, there are seasons to following after, after God. But what we don't wanna do is abruptly throw in the towel and have it be motivated by suffering avoidance because you're not gonna like what I'm about to say. Because our best growth takes place when life is the hardest. It just doesn't mean that there's no growth when life is not hard. It's just some of the, this, the biggest growth spurts that you will experience spiritually will come in suffering and don't shortchange the character development, the spiritual growth in your life by throwing in the towel too quickly. Stay the course, stay determined. We'll keep going here with the story. Uh, pick it up in verse 10. Later, I went to Shemaiah, son of Deliah, and grandson of Mehetabel. There's the three great children's names you could consider who was confined to his home. He said, let us meet together inside the temple of God and bolt the door shut. Your enemies are coming to kill you tonight. But I replied, should someone in my position run from danger? Should someone in my position enter the temple to save his life? No, I, I won't do it. I realized that God had not spoken to him, but that he had uttered this prophecy against me because Tobiah and Samballot had hired him. They were hoping to intimidate me and make me sin. Then they would be able to accuse and discredit me. Nehemiah, is, he, he's got this one guy, he, he sort of sets up this trap. This, this, this trap's gonna undermine his credibility, undermine his leadership, and, uh, and, and sort of take him out of the equation. And, and the job is almost about to be done. Some of you have heard me tell this story before, but um, Trina, her parents live on a farm. It's a 17-acre farm in Hood River, Oregon. It's right on the Hood River. There, um, there's, there's not, there aren't houses around. It's kind of in the woods. It's beautiful. We love it in the summer there because you can sit on the front porch and the sun sets and the evening gets cool and you can sit by and just take in the beauty, and it's fantastic. And Trina's father um, has this, probably the world's largest bug zapper. It is massive. It's, it's about four feet long. I mean, it's pretty big, and it's about, about a foot wide. And it hangs on one end of the porch, and the table on which we sit is over here. And as we're sitting on the porch, and as the sun is beginning to set, and the light is sort of slowly kind of fading away, uh, we're, we're sipping our iced tea, enjoying the evening, and the background music is a snap and crackle and a fizzle as the siren's call of this, this blue light goes out into the timbers. And I don't know what it is 
about this blue light, but it just penetrates the forest and thousands of insects come flying in towards the blue light and they, there's something about that blue light where they, I gotta get, I gotta touch the blue light. And, and as it's happening, you know, we're, we're kind of talking, enjoying the evening and sipping iced tea and then everyone, there's a snap, crackle, pop, fizzle and every once in a while there's a big pop and all our heads turn and go, oh yeah, that's a big moth. Wow, that thing's just really going up in flames there on the, uh, there's a sick, satisfying thing that happens within you as you watch bugs die. And, and then the thing is, is that it's like, you know, if you could climb into a bug's brain, um, I've not tried that, but if, if you were, it's like, what is it about insects that here's this big blue light and there's this smoke that's this insect, uh, incense that's coming off the, off the big blue and, and the bugs are coming in. And what is it about insects that what they, they look down and they see this tray, this, this graveyard of insects that they were hanging out with in the afternoon that's laying in the bottom of his big blue bug zapper? Or what is it about it, the fact that there's Uncle Buzz with smoke coming out of his thorax? Why, why do they keep going to the blue light? Why do they, why do they not take in all the signs to say this is a bad idea? Friends, I can guarantee you this. When God has something on his heart and he puts it on your heart and you start walking in it, diversions and distractions will come. And if that won't work, then what we'll do is we'll just crank up the volume and we'll send discouragement We'll try and take you out that way that you, your, your heart would become sick and you would lose hope. And if that won't work, I can guarantee you what will happen next is what happened to Nehemiah. There will be some attempt to discredit your credibility to take you out of what God has called you to. There, there will be some blue light out there and the tendency for you to say to yourself is that, well, that happened to those people, but it's not going to happen to me. And could it be that you're here today and you're dealing with some stuff that's difficult and you're thinking about throwing in the towel and you're about to do something that is dangerous and is going to hurt a lot of people? And could it be that the Spirit of God is just saying to you today, step away? Don't go near that because it, it'll destroy your marriage. That unethical thing you're considering could seriously damage your business. That email you're about to send to a family member is gonna break the relationship for a very long time. We stay the course we stay determined and we stay aware of the fact that there are attempts by the enemy of our soul, by the enemy of the church to undermine credibility to the point that we're taken out and we can't finish the very thing that God called us to. Is there redemption for our failures? Absolutely. God does some of his most beautiful work with our failures. But friends, that, that, that's no excuse for us to be haphazard about the choices we make in life. Stay aware. Last one, real quickly. Uh, verse 14, Nehemiah prays a short prayer. He's got a lot of these short prayers in his 
uh, and his sort of his recount of his story. It says, remember, oh my God, all the evil things that Tobiah and Samballot have done. And remember Noadiah the prophet and all the prophets like her who have tried to intimidate me. When the volume levels get turned up and we're discouraged and we're tired, this is so hard and people are opposing me and um, stay the course, stay determined, stay, stay aware of the temptations that are out there and stay out of it. Because what happens is when people are hurting you, when people maybe are doing some very damaging things, when people are saying some awful things, the temptation is to retaliate. Temptation is to strike back. And we end up making a mess out of a mess. And, and what Nehemiah is doing here, he's just praying a prayer. He says, remember, oh God, these names. He's remembering who's been up to the no good. But what he's doing is he's just, he's staying out of it and he's giving it to God and letting him handle it. Think about some of the most hurtful experiences you have been through. You remember the names. You remember the faces. I remember the reporter who was doing that story on our church when the trees were being cut down. I could tell you his name. Don't write that. Don't do that. Stay out of it. Let God be your defender because here's the reality. I know you know this, but I got to tell you this. He's going to do a much better job of defending you than you will. So what do we do? When God has something on his heart and he puts it on your heart and you're gifted and you're called to this and you're excited and then you start hitting some opposition, you start hitting some difficult times, you stay the course, you stay determined, you stay aware and you stay out of it. And as you're in the team, join me up on the platform as we, as we wrap up uh, this morning, I'm now getting into after, afternoon, um, here's the thing. Some of you are here in the room today and you're, you're, you're close to giving up on something. You're, you're, you're close to throwing in the towel. Now, hear me on this. There are, there are appropriate times to do that. There are times when things come to an end. That's just normal. There are some real serious situations that, that need to come to an end. But what we don't want to do is we don't want to shortchange what God is doing in us and through us and, and throw in the towel because we're just, we're too tired or too weary or we're just trying to avoid suffering. And it would, I, it would be, I think it would be a shame to have all this conversation about sticking with it and staying on the wall like Nehemiah did and, and not allow us to respond to his word. And I'm just wondering if there's anyone in the room that is in a place where you, you're thinking about quitting. It could be, a, could be a job. Could be volunteering someplace. It could be serving in the city somewhere. Um, it could could be your marriage. And, and I'm just wondering if, if there's anyone in the room that would have the courage just to allow us to pray for them, but simply just by standing up right, right, right where you're at. And, and I, know, I, I know I'm asking a lot. Because that just, I mean, right now, you know you're supposed to stand up. Thank you so much, guys, for standing up. It takes so much courage. Your heart starts pounding, and, and you know God's talking to you, and there's no shame in standing up at all because we've all been there we've all been in a place where we're weary and we're tired and it's hard and I want to give up and I want to keep doing this this stinks 
And I, I just want to be able to, to pray. I want us to pray over you. So yeah, just keep standing. If, if it's you, you're dealing with something, it can be small, it can be major. I just want to have a chance to pray. Thanks for standing up and taking the step. Now, as people are still standing up, those of you who are sitting down, I want you to look around the room and there may be someone that you know that is standing up. And I, I want to invite you in a few moments, so I'm going to have all of us stand up. But before I do that, if you know someone that's standing up and maybe you know their situation, maybe you don't know their situation. I just want to invite you to go and stand next to them. Do not go and stand next to them and start providing solutions. That's not what this is about. This is just about the power of presence, about standing with someone and saying, I know you're tired. I'm here with you. I'm standing with you. So if you see someone around the room that's standing right now that you know, you feel this all stand up and you can move to that person. We've got people up in the balcony, got people down here. And I just, I just want to pray. I want to pray blessing as we all stand and we're all going to pray together and, and that you and the team are going to continue to lead us. Lord, I thank you for each person in the room. Some of us are doing great. Feels like the wind's at our back. Some in the room, Lord, the wind is in their face and they're tired. And they're wondering if this is worth it. And they're wondering if they can put another foot in front of the other. And it's just so hard. I pray that you would just now breathe on them. Lord, would you be so kind as just to whisper a word of encouragement into their heart? Pay attention to maybe even things that you're hearing right now or sensing. Would you deposit into them pictures of hope of what you're doing in them, that you see them, that they're not alone? For some, there might even be a song that's just going off in your head right now, and that's just the Spirit of God just singing over you, and it's got a word for you in that. Oh, Lord, be with these weary ones. We rejoice with the truth that you are a God who will not snuff out a smoldering wick. You are the God who will not break a bruised reed. So, Lord, these smoldering wicks, these bruised reeds that have stood today, would you minister deeply to them? Would you allow them to mourn in those painful moments? It's okay to grieve. And may they experience your healing. Strengthen us all and give us the gifts we need to encourage one another as we apply our lives to the great works that you've given to us. Be glorified as we follow you. We pray this in your name. Amen. Salem Alliance Church is a community of Jesus followers located in downtown Salem, Oregon. And we are passionate about our city being a city at peace with God. If you have a request that we could pray for, please email us at prayers at salemalliance.org. You can view today's entire service online at livestream.com backslash Salem Alliance.